Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Overnight Success Podcast, brought to you by Maria Hatsi Stefanis. Maria is the founder of Rodial and Nippin Fab, best-selling author, and on a mission to help you achieve your dreams. Maria's highly anticipated third book, How to Live Your Best Life, is now available on Amazon. Hi, Jeffrey, and welcome to the Overnight Success Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's so exciting to have you here. Um, so Jeffrey and I, we met about a year ago. Uh, Jeff has been representing Sophia Ricci. Yeah. And um, Sophia did a campaign for our Nip and Fab brand. She came over to London, we did a shoot, and that's where I got to meet you. And I have to say, uh, over the years we've worked with so many celebrities from Kylie Jenner to Poppy Delevingne, and I have to say, working with Sophia and yourself and her team, it's been the smoothest ever um, relationship we've ever had with a celebrity. And that goes to show you how professional you are. And that's why we're here today talking. <laughs> well, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get, let's get um, straight into it. Um, why don't you tell me, how did you get into celebrity management? Yeah, so I wanted to do it at a very young age. A lot of people like end up falling into it or it was never something that they kind of went after. And I knew at a very young age I wanted to do that. I always was kind of obsessed with entertainment and movies and um, everything kind of within, you know, fashion and all of that. And I went to, and I realized that I liked being near it and I liked the business side of it. And once I kind of found out maybe at like 13, 14 that there was a business of representing talent, um, I became kind of obsessed in reading stories about David Geffen and other people in the field and the different ways they've done it. The book, The Mailroom, all the people that went to the mailroom at William Morris and CAA. And yes, yeah, so then I went to school for arts management. Like I, like I literally went to school okay. to do this. I'm um, like, what did you major? And I'm like, I literally majored in arts management. Um, and yeah, and then I did the mailroom program at um, William Morris Endeavor. Oh, and, you did? Yeah. Oh I mean, my God, I didn't wore a full that. suit, you know, made $10 an hour. Oh, and wow. yeah. Delivering mail and, and doing. Yeah, you're delivering jobs. mail, you're running to places to let them watch, you know, a screener and you're waiting outside for them to be done to bring it back. You're doing script coverage to give agents, you know, like kind of like a book report on the different scripts so that they can, you know, speak intelligently about it. And yeah. 
And was that in New York or LA? I did it in New York. Okay. Yeah. And your whole career has been based in New York. Except my very first job, I was a model agent in Cape Town, South Africa. Oh, wow. Because I studied abroad there and finished school there and my internship became my job and I stayed for a bit and then loved it so much. I was like, if I don't leave now, I'm never leaving. So I'll see you later, but I'm not ready to move here. Oh my God. For the rest of my life, yeah. Sounds amazing. So so here we are doing the mailroom at William Morris. Uh, what was next? How did you progress? Yeah, so um, it's a really amazing program and I kind of tell anyone that wants to work within entertainment, whether it be specifically being an agent or other areas of the business, it's kind of like the central hub because everything kind of goes through an agency, especially like a very large one like that. So, you know, when I worked there, I worked in personal appearances. I worked a lot with their branded lifestyle group. Um, and and my last job was within their communications department. So I kind of got to see a lot of different areas. I got to become an agent trainee and work on all that stuff. And then I kind of, because I'd already been a model agent, kind of loved the intersection of celebrity and fashion and really kind of saw something there. And then I had interned for an agent at um, my previous agency before I went there started working and, you know, progressing. And yeah, and it kind of just, I kind of just created my own little space kind of between working with traditional models that have personalities and um, they can kind of transcend beyond being, you know, a traditional model that can kind of move into other arenas. And, you know, maybe someone walking down the street would know their name versus, you know, being a little bit more of just, you know, mm. a traditional model. Um, and then working with celebrities, trying to give them relevance within, um, within fashion. And so, you know, most recently I started at Ford Models to run their um, brand management mm -hmm. and spearhead their celebrity division for New York, LA, Chicago, and Paris. So what's your typical day? Uh, and I know there's no typical yeah. day, but just give me, <laughs> let's say, the most exciting day, yeah. but also the most boring day. How yeah. does that look like? Yeah, because I'm sure it's similar to you. Like our days are very different. Very, very different. And I don't yeah. think I could do it if every day was the same. <laughs> I mean, I've had days where we haven't had any sleep. We're at an event all night in Venice and we're waking up to go on a plane in the morning, landing in London, going straight to a shoot, shooting all day, and then ending that and going to Paris the next morning for Paris um, shows. So like, that would be a crazy day, I would say. And like, crazy. I've had that day. But then there's days where you just go into work and maybe you have a coffee meeting, maybe you don't. Um, and you know, you're by your computer and you're catching up on emails and you're, you know, pitching and negotiating and following up with stuff. And I would say that's one of the more boring days, but I mean, I like that too. It's also a way to regroup and catch up on everything. But I just say like an actual boring day is probably if you're working too much in August hmm. because everyone's on vacation. And right. if you have a personality like us, like you want to get things done if you're in the office. So if you're in the office and no one wants to talk to you because they're all on holiday in Europe and you don't want to annoy them, that I would say is the most boring day. I know, I know. It's frustrating. We have the same. Yeah, like, I, would, I can't deal with August. No, I would say like I feel like for people in other industries, the closest thing you can say is like if you try to do if you try to work on Christmas Day and try to get people to talk to you, mm. that's what it's like for us trying to work in August. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what are some of the key things that you need to cover for your clients? Is it going out there and getting them deals, getting them exposure, taking them to an event? What is the list of things that you need to provide for your clients? I think it's 360. Um, I think it also depends. So, you know, if I'm working with a celebrity um, that, you know, their main job is, you know, being a singer, being an actor, 
I'm really kind of just focusing because they they have people that are focusing on that stuff. So I'm really just focusing on their high fashion branding. So I'm focusing on relationships with the right brands, with editorial and cover opportunities, um, with campaigns, you know, with ambassadorships, with everything kind of within that. And you kind of have to handle all of it. Um, and, you know, the right relationship with stylists and everything. And you really want to grow their presence in an organic way, but also in a sustainable, lasting way. But if you're looking at a model that I'm working with, that's a, that's, I'm, I'm a bigger piece of the puzzle for them. Hmm. So that could be, you know, all of, you know, what I've said. But then beyond that, it's where are we going with this? Because being a model traditionally has a very short shelf life. Like if you think back in the day, you know, maybe four years, six hmm. years. And that's just not that interesting to me. Is I, If I work with someone, I want to work with them for the next 20, 30 years. So how do you take a job that by nature had a shelf life and you know throw that out the window and say, we're going to build something that's going to last for the rest of your life and create the life you want for yourself? And a big part of that is also not just what I want, but what they want for their career. So a lot of times it's, it's a discussion in the beginning, but it's an active and ongoing and changing discussion of what their interests are, what they're enjoying, what they're not, what things they want to see growth in different areas that they'd like to explore. So, you know, maybe they're super into fitness or cooking or these different things. And there's definitely outlets to, you know, work on that. And maybe it's building their own brand. There's so many different ways you can take it and kind of expose them in that way because I think at the end of the day, you're building someone's full career. So, you know, it could be a matter of, you know, we think they could have a really big presence in Asia. Okay. okay, so how are we going to do that? Mm-hmm. So we need relationships with brands to start to get exposure there. We need to get press out there, like some normal celebrity press, but we also need to get like cool editorials, cool covers. Okay. Um, we need to make sure we go there because you have to invest in markets that you want to you know, grow in. You can't just do it from here. You need to mm-hmm. be there and actively care about that market and show that you care. So I think it, it's, you know, it's definitely different for each person, but I think that there's a lot of checks and balances to make sure that like no rocks left unturned. So, you know, if one season, you know, you're just hitting all the campaigns and you are, you know, the girl's making a lot of money. Great. But are we, do we have covers coming out? Do we have editorial coming out? Are we spacing them out? Are we still actively, you know, respecting and, um, you know, cultivating the relationships she already has? Are we building new ones with, you know, other, you know, industry leaders? I think it's, it's all of that stuff because mm. I, I really am not a fan of one-offs and I'm not a fan of like the overexposure of like for a girl to do, you know, four makeup brands at the same time. Right. It's, it doesn't make sense for the brands that are working with it, but it also doesn't make sense for the talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I don't want to, if you do stuff like that, there's not, people don't really want to work with you again, that specific brand. And I think one-offs aren't that interesting. I think we can be like, you know, we've worked with this talent four times already, or we've been working with them for four years off and on. For me, that's interesting to have real brand relationships because it means, A, like they can sell, their name sells, their face sells. And, you know, the other thing is that, you know, in today's day and age, there's so much competition that people work with who they want to work with. If someone's a mean, like, Mm -hmm. person and they're not enjoyable to be with and you have to be on multiple service dates with them, it's just life's too short. You can find Mm -hmm. someone that you want to spend those days with. So... It's a testament to someone, you know, working well and being able to cultivate and maintain relationships. Mm. You said something interesting, uh, which I I can very much relate to coming from the point of view of a brand, that um, when you work with your clients, um, you want to make sure that 
you develop long-term brand relationships and there is the, there's an affinity to certain brands and they're not jumping from one brand to the competition from one day to another. Yeah. And we actually had um, a situation a couple of years ago that we were negotiating to go into a, a, a long-term contract with a big A-list celebrity. And um, we were going to fly to LA and shoot a campaign on a Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and then Friday, this A-list celebrity posts on her Instagram um, of being some sort of digital ambassador for the day on a competitive brand. And even though we weren't in contract, so the contract would start yeah. three days from that, um, we had to pull out of this deal because it's, it's all about... Um, being organic with your relationships and also having credibility. So if she posted that on a Friday and then on Tuesday we had all the press show up and to talk about our brand. But I think it's yeah. also a lack of transparency because when I work with brands, it's like, even if it's not necessarily something against the contract or something that they're, you know, is in breach of anything, if I know it's something that might make it, you know, a little bit sensitive, I'm going to give them a heads up just so you know, like, we already did this, it's coming out. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not a relationship, it's one post or whatever it is, but we've already contracted to it. But like, this is a way we can, but let's discuss how we can navigate this in yeah. a way that, you know, makes sense. So you guys, you know, that yeah. her audience reacts in the right way, your audience reacts in the right way. And it doesn't seem, you know, it still seems genuine that she's yeah. working with you guys. And you don't want to surprise the brand. Exactly. Like if you, and if I, you brought this up and, and they know and... Then it's you can navigate good. it together. But if we live in a world where we're all on Instagram, we're all checking, especially when you're about to work with a big celebrity, yeah. we're checking what's going on. So it's not that we'll never find out yeah. or it will be, oh, you know, we didn't know and this just happened. It's better to be transparent with those things. And I guess even if we knew that this was happening on a Friday, um, working towards the Tuesday that the contract would start, we may have said, okay, well, we'll let it be, but we knew you, you don't want to be surprised. Or you could have you, said, we'll push it out a little bit. Well, let's yeah. give some more spacing before we announce give the spacing, it. Or... Um, and then build that trust yeah. and relationship because once you lose trust, then you start thinking, what else may be going on that we don't know of? And it's yeah. small things like that that are really important from the point it's, of view of a brand. It's funny though, because like, I mean, I work with a great team um, that are, and we're all incredibly transparent and honest people, and we, we all work that way. But I've kind of seen because of the contracts I've received sometimes from brands that are so insane, it's not because they mean to be insane, it's because they've been burnt. <laughs> and they're like, well, what if this happens? And I'm like, that would never happen. I would never do that. And they're like, well, it's happened to us before. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I'm so sorry about that. But like, we wouldn't do that because that's not how I work. Um, but you see that, like, I see these crazy clauses sometimes in contracts. And I'm like, why do you, like, this is so unnecessary. And they're like, no, we put it in here in a reason because you get burnt and, you know, yeah. you know, fool me once, you know, shame on me, fool me twice, you know. And they just don't want to be fooled again. And they don't want to, it's just crazy to me that that level of kind of dishonesty happens, you know, because yeah. it's like omission, you know, is, is lying. And like they, it's just not respectful way. And it's like, you know, I'm going to do one brand deal with you with one client. I'm going to be working with you for a long time with lots of different clients. So like, I don't want to create this yeah. rapport where like you're always like second guessing everything I'm saying and everything I'm doing and thinking that like everything's a white lie to cover up something. Like, it's just not a sustainable way. I'd rather just call you and say like, we got a situation, mm -hmm. let's figure this out. A hundred percent, yeah, be be open about it. And also I find that um, a lot of the work that we do these days when negotiating a deal, it goes through email. 
And I think the best thing is to pick up the phone, have a conversation, and then explain your point of view. Why are you asking for that? What is the motivation behind it? Because sometimes when you explain the point of view, then you may be able to find a different solution that works for both. Yeah. Um, and it just, you know, sometimes we miss on situations and deals fall through just because that email cannot really show you the full background and the, and the context. And people misread email. I'm like, yeah. let's just get on the phone. The tone of we voice. Can get like the tone you're, of voice. you're already pissed off that I someone know. responded that way and you already hate them. <laughs> and maybe that's how they communicate. It may be a bit more formal and you've yeah. taken it their own way. So it's all and about communicating. I write very, like, matter of fact. <laughs> so sometimes it reads very cold. And that's why I like, just get on the phone with me. We'll just talk through this. But, like, I also don't have time to write some, like, really, you know, crazy email so that it's because I like to keep it short and to the point. Sometimes it gets misread. Because I've gotten on phone calls, people where I'm, like, expecting them to apologize. They're like, I thought you were going to apologize because they're both reading. <laughs> email so differently so aggressively and then you get on the phone and we're like oh so wait we're all good like okay yeah, yeah. it's just that phone call it's it's all we need no one wants to talk on the out. phone anymore yeah. i love talking okay. on the phone first of all it just puts context to things i've had huge issues where we were literally like screaming at each other through email we get on the phone within 30 seconds we're like it's one of those days i get it yeah let's figure this out and then you're good yeah that could have been like another three days of crazy emails to each other i know i know yeah it's that that's the that's the thing but it's it's interesting that you've you've gone through the traditional william morris route which i do know that they're on the phone all the time so yeah. you have been trained yeah. in a way that you do use the phone a lot so now let's go back to your career and i want to i want you to remember what has been the highlight i would say a really cool one is I had a huge, huge, um, like, international um, music star that we had a really high fashion brand in Milan that was celebrating an anniversary and wanted them to perform, wanted only them, and asked five days before to have them. And within, and then we couldn't really, by the time we got everything ready, within three days, we basically threw together 15 people flying over to Milan, a full performance. The performer had never even seen the stage in daylight and got snuck in, came up through an elevator and did their performance. And it was like crazy to be three days before in New York and three days later in Milan with like one of the biggest um, musicians in the world performing on stage. The designer gave me a huge hug. You made all my dreams come true. And like, and you're a little bit pinching yourself. Like, I don't know how I actually pulled this off. Like, even the production team talking to their production team about all, you know, the AV requirements and this and that. And, like, that's not traditionally what I do. You know, what I do is the fashion stuff. But what I do is build relationships within the fashion world. And now they've done a lot of other things together, you know, based off that first, the first thing in Milan that we threw together in three days. I mean, that's probably one of my highlights because it was just so surreal. And I, I remember standing on the wings of the stage um, and just being like, I can't believe I actually made this work and you know just being a you know a kid from New Jersey being like I don't know how I like who let me do this and you know let me negotiate this and make this all happen and like it's kind of crazy can you share who this I'm that so former was yeah I uh, it was um Nicki Minaj for the oh, Givenchy wow. party a few oh years ago for right, Ricardo's so anniversary we've been talking about Nicki Minaj for the last five minutes <laughs> okay all right yeah and it was really cool it was just you know it was I mean she's such an amazing performer and you know, she was such a fan of the brand and went in and did it. And, you know, I don't work with her anymore, but um, it was just a really cool moment. All right, let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about social media. So when you sign up a new client, what are you looking for? Are you looking for them to already have a certain level of 
celebrity? Are you looking for followers? What makes an ideal client for you? I'd be lying if I said that it doesn't help to have someone with a strong following, but that's not enough for me. I mean, it, I don't, if someone has 5 million followers, but I don't see that I could personally build something for them within the fashion world or they don't, you know, we don't have a great connection or, you know, it's just not a connection there. I don't see that we're going to build something unique and cool and I'm, I'm just not the right fit for it. I'm happy to say like, you know, I'd rather them find someone that's going to be that fit. And I also want to make sure that they're on brand for, you know, our agency and the kind of people we represent and, you know, and all of that, because I need to make sure that I believe that I could cross them over into the different arenas that I would want them to. Um, but it's definitely one of the factors when you're looking at someone, it's like, cause you're looking 360. So if you're looking, okay, they have a great personality. Um, you know, they have. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool music coming out or, you know, oh, and they already have a pretty strong following. It's like there's enough things for me to work off of there, you know, because I, I have music coming out in three months. I've heard some of the, you know, demos and it sounds really good. Not that I'm a music guy, but I think this is going to do well. Um, you know, I have a social media following already, which is, helps to sell to a lot of brands because it's important um, for some brands, not for all. And and they have a great personality. For me, that's, you know. Okay. In the past, it used to be when we didn't have social media, you would probably look at what editorial they have achieved and how well known they are within that editorial space. Now with social media and Instagram and everyone having their own platform, how is editorial, is it still important or do you just look at social media and, and their own platforms? It's definitely important um, because it shows people that have, you know, had interest in her from the stylist okay. to the photographers to, you know, all of that. It's for me and what I do, it's not like the be all and end all. Um, but you definitely, it's part of growing your relevance within, you know, the fashion world. It's a lot of that is going to lead to the campaigns because, you know, a lot of the same stylists um, and teams and you, it's a good thing. But if I, if I have the other factors, that's something we would build for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't need, it's cool if they've already started to do it, but it's also fine if they haven't because we can do that for them. That's what we do, you know? Okay. So I don't need them to have already done that. If I think someone's super special and unique and my team does as well, then, you know, we can build that for them and introduce them to the right people and mm. help make that happen and cultivate okay. those relationships. So Jeffrey, as part of your job is walking celebrities through the red carpet, can you remember how you felt the first time you had to walk through an A-list celebrity? You were just starting out, you were young, and you had this mega celebrity with you with tons of paparazzi around. How did that feel? How did you get through it? Um, it's definitely stressful. And <laughs> there's, you know, um, publicists right in the front and, you know, they want to know the name and there's a, you know, a line of celebrities and you, like you, you as the manager, you have to be pretty aggressive to get your person up there, you know, get their, make sure they have their name and everything, get them on the carpet quickly, you know, manage it, you know, um, push them along. If you're doing TV interviews, if you're skipping the TV interviews and it's a little bit of a sink or a swim because you got to show confidence there because they're looking to you to protect them and to help them through that process. Um, the, but I will say the coolest ones I've ever done was, um, especially because I love film, is the Cannes Film Festival red carpet. There's nothing like that. That's massive. It's, that is massive. It's yeah. equally, it's such, I've never seen that level of like luxury, but like also like organized chaos. Because <laughs> unless you were the actor in the movie, they don't stop the carpet for you, no matter who yeah. you are. If you're the biggest supermodel in the world, they don't stop the carpet and then announce you and have you go. They just announce the cast. So normally at a normal step repeat, they're going to say the person's name and then they're going to like hold everyone else back and they're going to go and start walking and then they'll start the next person. Um, basically, you have to empower your talent to command the carpet. Mm. So the first time we did it, it was like they were kind of like herding us into this little roped area with like um, people that were just there to see the film that weren't necessarily um, doing the carpet. And... Basically, what we did was because it's a huge red carpet, and then you go up this, the famous steps. Um, and so what we did was we had her walk over to one side of the carpet and just start posing very close to them. 
So then they're all getting the shot. You know, they're screaming her name. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, the photographers on the other end to her back start screaming because they're missing the shot. So now they're the ones commanding the carpet for her. So they're yelling at everyone else, out of the way, out of the way, out of the way, and yelling at the girl to turn around. So then she kind of moved back towards the center and started posing for both. Okay. And then we slowly start walking down the carpet, and basically they're yelling at everyone not to get in the shot, so now no one's really walking. And when when they're trying to get the next celebrity to start, if they're still focused on my talent, the other celebrity's going to wait because they want their photos as well. So you slowly walk, you know, okay. and playing to both sides of the carpet and then slowly walking up the stairs. And you basically are having to command that carpet because there's no one there except this kind of like unspoken relationship you're building with the photographers, with, you know, everyone to basically say, like, this is my moment to, you know. Okay. Yeah. And it so, was cool. It's amazing. So it's starting small. Yeah. Giving them that confidence and taking them out yeah. to the big scale. That's yeah. that's how you empower them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you I said, like, this is your moment. Your... We, we flew all the way out here. You spent yeah. the whole day getting ready. Yeah. Like, take your time. Yeah. Don't don't let anyone make you feel rushed. Like, enjoy this and, you know, take a second. Because it's, I mean, it, I think it's one of the most iconic red carpets. I mean, maybe that in the Met Gala. Mm. But have you ever had a client who is petrified of the red carpet, especially at the beginning of their career? And how do you empower them? 100%. I've had ones where, like, like, okay, you got to do the carpet. And they, like, it's like, once they see it click twice, they're like, okay, I'm good. And I'm like, no, you got to stand there for a second. <laughs> but I think it's a matter of making them feel comfortable, um, making it feel lighthearted. And you kind of want to just, sometimes it's a matter of, like, being a little goofy with them. And um, I had one time we were going to an event with the talent, and they weren't ready for us yet. And I could tell she was nervous. So we were just chatting about stuff. We were like, it was when Snapchat was a little bigger, we were playing with all the filters and stuff and just having fun. So by the time we walked in, like all that stress was kind of gone because it just had all kind of dissipated and she could walk in and, you know, kind of just do it. But it's a, like, it's also a process because it's like, okay, I'm going to pick and choose, you know, which photos we do. We're going to do the photos on the step and repeat, um, but maybe we'll do a few outside first. So it's like just her and one camera person. So it's easing in. But then also like, if you're, if I know that she's very nervous, I'm not gonna have her do the carpet and then go straight on and do TV interviews, because like maybe we're just not gonna do TV interviews mm -hmm. this time, you know, because it's a process and they need to be comfortable. And if you're nervous out of your mind, you're probably not gonna do the best on a TV interview when it's your first carpet. So it's fine. So we'll do the photos and we're gonna skip, you know, the TV interviews. We're gonna walk right past that. Okay. Because um, you're also, I think, when you start to know someone and work with them a lot, you can kind of sense you know, when they're comfortable, when they're uncomfortable. And it's your job to, you know, step in when you can sense that they're not comfortable to, you know, say, okay, that's it, we're done, you know. Mm. We got a few shots, but, you know, I don't need them to feel petrified and so uncomfortable to some crazy degree. If they got a few shots, let's go in. You know what, if we get there and they're really, really nervous, let's go into the event, we'll come back out and do the carpet when there's right. less people here. Okay. It's, you know, it, it's little things. It's just a matter of like, you boil it down to you and another human and you respecting mm. someone that you're with and knowing that like, oh, you're not comfortable? How can we make this more comfortable for you? Oh, there's so many people here? Okay, so let's come back in an hour when you've relaxed a little bit and there's less people there and we can do this again. So I'm sure that you've worked with a lot of divas over the years. <laughs> um, what has been the most unusual request? I mean, I've had clients that only sit in like seat 1A. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've had some really interesting riders. Mm -hmm. So a rider is the, you know, the form that they're going to give you for, you know, catering and food and what should be on set when we're on set with them. So mm -hmm. I've had some like, not like really out of control, but like just some like funny ones, like tropical fruit Skittles, like only this color. Um, 
you know, we want like kind of like really obscure like candies and like also I had some I have someone that um is super known for like health and fitness, but then their rider is like literally literally like pepperoni pizza, um, cream cheese bagels, <laughs> like chicken wings, like all this fun food. But I'm like, if I ate that, I would have to go to bed after. And they look amazing, and like I think it just it keeps it fun and light for them. Like they gotta have be in a really good mood on mm. on set, and for them it keeps them in a good mood. Um, and you know they're super healthy otherwise. So I think it's whatever works for you, and you learn what works for you. I haven't had anything really crazy intense. I mean, I've had like, I would say maybe the ask for like much larger entourages than what's appropriate to bring. What's like a typical entourage of a celebrity? So a lot of times for a celebrity, when we bring them in the fashion side, so whether they're going to normal events and, you know, for a huge celebrity, maybe they're, you know, expecting to go to events with, you know, plus six or plus Hmm. eight or whatever. When they work within the fashion world, I kind of explain to them, it's, it, this is really a relationship-based industry. So if you walk in with eight people, you're going to be with your eight people. You're not going to meet anyone. Mm. So a lot of times I say, like, you know, if I'm with them, you know, bring one other person that you're comfortable with. But, like, I want you to meet these people and talk to them. But mm. if you walk in with eight people, you know, you're not going to have that. Or if you walk into a high fashion event with bodyguards, A, you don't need them because it's already a very secure event with a very selective list of people there that are all, you know, great within their fields and, you know, also very special people mm-hmm. um so it's you got to kind of take your guard down because that's what this industry is about so if you're sitting there and you know you have two bodyguards with you that's not a very welcoming environment <laughs> to but like listen some people need it and it's safety so yeah. maybe have them you know come you know to the outside of the venue but then you know let them hang back a little bit so that you can seem more welcoming and willing to talk because it's like that's, that doesn't make yeah. you want to walk up to someone and say hi if there's two you know seven foot huge guys in front of you that is that is true yeah it's it's not very conducive to yeah. people without bodyguards. Exactly. And yeah. don't you think when you meet like a huge celebrity and then they're shockingly, you know, um, just relaxed and, you know, friendly and all that stuff. And most of them are, but they need to kind of convey that so that mm. you can see it. Otherwise, like it would be hard for you to even notice that they're down to earth and, all, you know, all those yeah. kind of things. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jeffrey. So um, I'm going to wrap this up with my last question. Okay. So as a celebrity manager, What is your advice, let's say three pieces of advice for anyone who wants to get into the celebrity management business? Um, I think that we're still a very traditional business. We have mailroom programs, we have stuff like that. And we're one of the few industries that has very little guidance as far as like the steps to take. You know, if you want to be a doctor, there's a clear way to do that. If you want to be a lawyer, there's a clear way to do that. And a lot of our business is about intuition um, and really paying your dues, but also respecting yourself so that you can grow within it. So I think that, you know, I always suggest to people to do the mailroom program because I think that it's a really great way to learn the whole business and see what you like and see different areas and... Um, starting really... Yeah, starting at the bottom, the bottom and seeing all yeah. of it. Um, I mean, I interned relentlessly and I think that you... It, it's hard to make yourself known as an intern, but like, it's definitely possible. For me, it's like, it's about the hard work and like, knowing that like, you're not going to make money in the beginning. Um, someone told me really early on, be the first one in the office and the last one to leave. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the relationships I built, even as an intern, was a matter of me being there, you know, at 8 p.m. at night and then being like, wait, why are you still here? I was like, just wanted to know if you needed help on anything. They let you in on small projects and they see you're good and you build it through there. You know, if you're an intern and you're running, you know, you're in there, you know, on time or late and you're leaving right the second it ends and you're seeing all the people who have, you know, full, full-time jobs mm-hmm. there and they're there and you're leaving, It, you're not you're not really investing. You're not really there to help. 
And I, yeah, I think it's just a yeah. lot of paying your dues, a lot of being hungry, following your intuition, and like listen, just really listening to the different areas because there's so many nuances into the, into the different areas of our business mm-hmm. and being adaptable. Okay. And also, it's not a glamorous business. So no. if anyone wants to get into celebrity management, I know there's the glamorous moments. But yeah. what are some of the things that you have done or that you still have to do that are not glamorous? Because at the end of the day, people who want to get into celebrity management, they need to know what does that involve. Yeah. And it's not hanging out with Kendall Jenner every day. Yeah. No. Um, no, it, it's a lot. Like, the thing is, is that I love my job. Um And it definitely gets, the longer you've been doing it, you know, you get to work on the things that, you know, you're more passionate about. But I mean, you know, traveling's great. I absolutely love traveling. But you know this too, there's those moments where you're like, you wake up in another city and you're like, I want to be home right now. Like, I want to be home right now. And, you know, I, I've been on, I was on vacation once. And while I was on vacation, I closed a deal that made it so that I couldn't fly home anymore. So I had to fly um directly to London, sit there by myself for July 4th for four days and then and then go to Rome for a shoot, which is like amazing. Like, but I had bathing suits with me. Mm-hmm. I was going to a black tie event. I'm now sitting, scrambling to, you know, find a tuxedo to wear, working all my contacts to get stuff together, trying to, um, you know, negotiate and close the deal and do the contracts from a hotel room, which is not easy because normally you're in your office and you're printing and you're redlining and you're talking to your lawyers and you, you know what I mean? And now it's July 4th, so they're all closed. Um, So there's just definitely moments of stress and anxiety. And I think starting out, it's the most, I mean, when I started out and I was interning, I remember one of my jobs was, you know, the head of the agency said, apparently our model apartment's a mess. I need you to go clean it. You have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, would I prefer them to just hire a cleaning crew and go do it? Yeah, but I was an intern and I wanted them to think I was great. So I was sitting there like deep cleaning some huge (laughs) model apartment. The sacrifice, especially in the beginning, it's like, it's a lot. Um, you, you're not going to be, you know, doing all the same stuff that your friends who work nine to fives are doing, and you're going to probably be paid a lot less than your friends' jobs in the beginning. I mean, if you're good in this industry, you can do great, but it's like anything, you have to be great at it to succeed and you have to give it your everything in it. You have to be passionate about it. And I don't think you can do this job if you don't love it. And I think that if you try it and you don't love it, if you start to work in it and you're like, actually, wait, I thought I would like this. I don't really like this business. Then you you should do something else because it's too crazy. It's too ridiculous to do it if you don't like it. If you if you can pay your dues and be like, I'm actually enjoying this, this part, mm-hmm. then you're going to really enjoy it because it just gets more fun. But yeah, I think if you don't like it, by all means, like do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought of another question. I yeah. know we're running out of time. I have a last question for you. So over the years, you've represented a lot of different celebrities. What makes a celebrity succeed and another one not succeed? And the podcast is called Overnight Success. Yeah. So um, who makes it in the celebrity business and who doesn't? I mean, honestly, I think talent, talented people, but with a mixture of like good, genuine people, because I think that there's no room in our business anymore to be a jerk. And it's not a matter of having a great few years. It's about sustainability and people who are nice. And I mean, nice to everyone, not just the people at the top, nice to you know the people who are doing their catering to everything because the people who are the photo assistants then become the main photographers and they remember. Um, and it's about sustainability and it's good, talented people. So it's not only you're talented, but you're good and respectful of the people around you. And you're you know, you have a goal in mind and you're, and you're business savvy, I think, and you have the right team around you. I always say to people when they're asking, 
me about like, you know, what manager to sign with or agent. I said, just make sure that you believe that you're on the same team as them. Because if you don't trust them, it will never work. Because I've seen it time and time again where the talent doesn't trust, you know, their team or the team doesn't trust them. And it's just not a good working relationship and it falls apart. You need to surround yourself with people that believe in you. You know that if you weren't in the room, they'll be fighting just as hard for you as if they were in the room. And I think that for me, especially as a manager, that's the best advice mm. is to surround yourself with the right people that you can trust and then build something really special with them. That applies to all industries. Yeah. Uh, surround yourself with the best people and have the same and loyal people with them and loyal and share the and vision. Honest. And honest. Loyal and honesty, I think, in our yeah. business, like those are the two key things. And always feel you're on the same team. Yeah. You have to. Because the thing is, if you're fighting against the people within, you know, your own business, within your, you know, your own, your own company, how are you, it's supposed to be you against the world, you know? Like, we're going to do something super mm -hmm. special. And, you know, you can attest to this. Like, you need to look around, you know, with, with your company and say, like, we're a team here and, you know, we're going to do all these things. And that's how, you know, you've become mm -hmm. so successful. But if you had infighting and so much within your own, how can you get things done, you know, on a bigger picture? Mm -hmm. Just get the right people, get the yeah. right team. Yeah. And then don't let them go. Don't let them go. Yes. <laughs> Very important. All right, Jeffrey, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed talking to you. And yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. If you like the Overnight Success Podcast, please make sure you tell a friend, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to leave us a rating or comment. You can find me, at Mrs. Rodia, on Twitter and Instagram. This is the Overnight Success Podcast. I am Maria Hatzi-Stefanis. See you next week. <laughs>